people usually don't truly start to question the world or start to work on themselves until they suffer, right? And I see now more and more people suffering and, for lack of better words, freaking out or disintegrating, but it has a purpose. It's like the voice of the divine almost screaming, listen, we need to change our ways, we look inside. Hi, it's Jessica Ann, and this is episode 24 of The Art of Humanity. Today is Thursday, October 5th, and it's the harvest moon, which falls closest to the autumn equinox. For me, and for many, the fall is a time to reflect, and it's a time to become sincere in our own process. I don't know about you, but with me, I'm always evolving. I'm not the same person I am today as I was a year ago, or even a week ago. But the few good things that have remained consistent over the years are my yoga practice, writing, and last but not least, the built-in accountability with having a podcast. And I take this responsibility seriously. If you're new to my podcast, I release an episode once a month on each full moon. Some of you have written to me, and I love, love hearing from you. You can always write to me at hello at jessicaannmedia.com or find me on Twitter or Instagram at itsjessicaann. That's I-T-S-J-E-S-S-I-C-A-N-N. I also love getting reviews on iTunes, so head on over there and leave a review if you dig this podcast. Okay, back to this full moon episode. A full moon is when the sun is opposite the moon, which highlights opposing forces or polarities in your life. I have always loved the idea of a paradox, how two juxtaposing ideas can come together to ignite a deeper truth. The dichotomy between our inner tensions and external pressures can lead to an awakening that tend to reach their peak at a full moon. And when we used our increased emotional strength and intuition to overcome challenges during this time, we'll see how relationship dynamics are causing disharmony. We can bring our subconscious awareness to the surface to allow for a balanced look at our lives. And there's no better person to talk about this with than Bernard Gunther. Collectively, we seem to be at a breaking point. We're living in challenging times, and he's here to provide tremendous insights to help us awaken from our collective slumber. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with The Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Welcome to The Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness to allow you and your business to evolve. Today, I'm so thrilled to have with me Bernard Gunther. Bernard's blog, Piercing the Veil of Reality, is a wide-ranging collection of articles, films, interviews, and talks ranging from spirituality, shamanism, psychology, self-work, esotericism, history, all the way to the paranormal and hyper-dimensional realities. His work has been featured on various websites and radio stations across the internet. He's really, truly an extraordinary person who's gone through so much transformation and development through his own personal holistic healing. He's applied an array of spiritual paths, and he writes about it so that we can all find our way through the light and the dark. Bernard, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I love all of your work on your blog on veiloverreality.com, and it's really important work. You talk about it in such a clear way and during such a really complex, chaotic time. 
The world is going through so much stuff right now. And when I read your words, there's a sense of security and a deep knowing that I get. Uh, so I'm curious, how do we uh, adjust our mentality or, you know, for people who may be new to your work, what is something that we can learn um, during this time of transition? And how can we best understand this process of, uh, you know, we're really all awakening at our own pace, at our own pace right now. And we're experiencing this evolution of consciousness. And, you know, I'm just going to start really macro right now at this big picture level and, and allow you to take it where you want to go. Um, so how, how can we best understand this process of awakening during this evolution of consciousness? Well, you can look at it from different angles, so to speak, but from the bigger picture perspective in terms of awakening, it also entails seeking truth, right, and understanding, you know, um, or researching or learning of what is really going on in the world, how our world and reality is really structured, and it is really uh, 180 degree opposite of the way or what have you been told and taught. So one big first step is really questioning everything. <laughs> <laughs> All our ingrained beliefs, what have been told and taught, you know, including the ultimate topic or the ultimate question of who are we and where did we come from? Right. And if you dig a bit deeper and really are sincere and tumble down the rabbit hole, it oftentimes seems that or it really seems to appear that truth is stranger than fiction, as the saying goes. Right. Mm -hmm. And that process can be very challenging because it confronts a lot of people with deep and great cultural social beliefs, what they have about themselves and the world they live in. And that most often can result into, cog into in cognitive dissonance, which is kind of like a psychological self-defense mechanism that rejects new information if one is very emotionally attached to certain beliefs, right? So this whole awakening process happens on different levels, right? Um, it relates to belief systems, uh, as I just mentioned, and entails disillusionment, right? To really um, realize how we have been believing in lies, we have been told and taught and have been lying to ourselves. And that's a big step in the awakening process to confront the lies, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the outer work, so to speak. So research study, you know, deconditioning ourselves, deprogramming, unlearning is actually a big part of it, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the other part is most definitely the inner work, which relates more to an inner psychological, spiritual, esoteric process, right? To clear our... Um, wounds and traumas from the past as simple as childhood wounding uh, and other traumas throughout our lives uh, based on growing up literally in a pathological world that is not in alignment with nature and the divine right and I've repeated that quote very often by Krishnamurti who really uh, summarized it really well and he said it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society mm. so you know, in this process of awakening, we also need to question what does it mean to awake, right? Awakening goes beyond an intellectual understanding, but it's more an embodiment process. And this embodiment process, from an esoteric perspective, relates to soul embodiment, because the root word of embodiment literally means an, a spirit invested in the flesh. And that ties back into the great work and what all the ancient esoteric teachings have talked about, right, of finding our way 
back home, so to speak, right? In alignment of divine will, the divine uh, in within ourselves. It's not nothing religious authority outside of ourselves, right? Because religions are part of the whole problem. They have dogmatized this whole knowledge. Right. So it's really also about getting into our bodies, right? And mm -hmm. clearing out everything, any any stuff that's 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 just stuck there. And finding essentially our inner inner voice, inner intuition, inner guidance that aligns us with who we truly are, not who we think we are. Right? It's a twofold process. It's kind of like the work, the seeking truth of within and without. And it's it's also a process that's different for each because we're all different individuals with different lessons to learn, different talents to develop, and all of that. And that's right now we are in this what I call the time of transition, and all of that is being heightened even more, and it's 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 rising exponentially. So true. And it's so important to be in that place to allow the embodiment and that just the state of being to happen. And you're such a wealth of knowledge and information. And I think you posted something about Philip Shepard, which led me to him. Thank you. And, and he, I actually interviewed him um, oh, nice. previously on, on the art of humanity. And um, he talks about the work of embodiment and um, in his books and, and, the more that I'm reading, the more I'm realizing that these things are legit. Everything that we talk about in this esoteric sense, the more we start to dabble in these mystic practices, um, we, we realize that it's backed in science. This alch It's an alchemical process of inner transformation that, you know, just a few years ago was seen as this, you know, out there stuff, you know, like uh, the movie, I don't know if you've seen the movie Doctor Strange, but, you know, it's these, these mm -hmm. people who have kind of gone off in these other dimensions and then they come back and bring the information to, um, you know, humans, to, to people who are living in their minds to know that it's okay to feel into our bodies. So, mm -hmm. you know, how do we like allow this inner healing process to transpire? Because we're all hearing this information right now at different points in our life. As we all take responsibility to our own healing process, what are, what are some ways in which we can do this during the alchemical process? Right. I just, uh, that's a good question. I just wanted to address what you said before in terms of, you know, what you talked about Philip Shepard's work, whose work I definitely can recommend, especially his book, New Self, New World. It's a great introduction uh, to the whole embodiment process, right? Yeah. And we talk um, about it a lot in the previous episode. So thank excellent. you for that introduction. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, what you said about science, even the esoteric teachings, the ancient, it's, it's a science. It's an esoteric science, the wake-up process, this awakening process. It's not some woo-woo stuff based on just superstition and belief. And, yes, some of that has been distorted. There's woo-woo in the so-called New Age, right? There's a lot of this truth mixed with lies, but the deep esoteric teaching is literally a science that you can verify for yourself if you truly engage in this work. And every true esoteric teacher be it like Gurdjieff's work I, I like and have studied, or Sri Aurobindo from Integral Yoga, Yoga, all these master and enlightened beings literally tell their students, don't believe anything until you have verified it for yourself. So it's, you know, that's the whole <clears throat> basis of science. You can verify it or not. So if you engage in these practices sincerely, you can ver verify it for yourself, but it's an internal verification, right? And... Uh, 
back to your question. So what was your question? How can we engage in this process as individuals or? Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. It, the listeners who may be hearing this, how do we even like, engage in this process? Yeah. Well, you know, just on the very basic practical level, it's really like getting out of our heads more, right? And simplifying life, especially in this day and age with all the craziness going out there. And all of that, you know, I see it in my own life. It's about simplifying, simplifying, simplifying. And by that, I mean simplifying. I don't mean just to live in poor conditions. I'm not necessarily talking materialistic terms, but simplifying your um, way of, quote unquote, being or thinking, right? And not giving in to our mechanical behavior, especially this day and age with the technology, which is great. That's why we're doing this interview here over Skype and it connects us over social media and it's beautiful to network. But at the same time, we have gotten really addicted to these devices, right? To the smartphones, constantly needing to check our messages, you know, and it kind of on the side effect also diminishes our attention span more and more so we cannot really focus on one thing we'll be distracted by stuff all the time so it's really more about disconnecting from that as well and spending more time like on a simple manner just in nature right or having a consistent body mind practice that i can highly recommend like be it yoga meditation or qigong which which i like or conscious dancing but really a consistent Like I found it's better to, for example, meditate or do yoga every day for just 15 minutes instead of going to one yoga class for 90 minutes a week, right? Because if you do it consistently, you know, that internal focus really starts to on a, on a physical biochemistry level, literally starts to rewire your brain and you automatically, even on the, on the physiological level, Uh, able to calm down more, get more into your parasympathetic nervous system, and you don't become so reactive. That's the whole problem in this world. People are so reactive, right? They get triggered very easily. There's polarization, especially in this day and age, liberals versus conservatives and all of that, and everybody's upset, and it's really not feeding into that um, chaotic reactive frenzy out there and just staying grounded and embodied. And that means literally also uh, just not being that reactive, but keeping your center within. So it's just really, you know, mindfully finding also looking for what practices would work for you specifically, because everybody is different. One of the biggest quote unquote diseases in this day and age I see is comparison. When we compare ourselves to others or think, oh, I should do this because this is what the other person is doing. It's great to be inspired, to get inspired by others, you know, in a sense, but still we need to find our own way. And what, what I've noticed, because I've been working with individuals one-on-one -on -one for 15 years in coaching or body work, what works for one may not work for another, right? So I help my clients to tap into their own intuition and, and, and empowerment and their own personal guidance, right? I never actually tell my clients what they should do. Right? I can give suggestions here and there, but I want them to take the responsibility really to tune into their own intuition. And that's the problem because we have been so gotten so disembodied in our world and society and live from our heads. We, hence, we have lost our internal guidance. And when we lose our internal guidance, we always look outside for guidance and, you know, somebody please tell us what to do, which is also in a roundabout way, the rise of authoritarianism. So always look for leaders and governments and presidents to lead the way 
and it disconnects us from our own inner guidance, you know, which is so unique to us. And that is found in the body, more specifically in the gut, you know, in the pelvic floor. And that all relates to this embodiment, to the individualizing the soul, right, to make become from an esoteric perspective, conscious uh, transducers of spirit or divine and you know, and then we tune more into the Tao, the flow of life, and and don't react so desperate with fear or panic, you know, but come more from a grounded space of being. Mm-hmm. But again, on a very practical, simple level, it's just really integrating these conscious body-mind practices into daily life. Yeah, it's so important to, especially as a coach and, a, you know, as someone who studies this, uh, to do it yourself. And you're almost like paving the way for others who are going through things at a different pace than you, but you're seeing, you're telling everyone that it's going to be okay. You know, I've been through it. Um, we're all collectively going through this in our own unique ways. And, you know, Carl Jung talks about the collective unconscious. Uh, you study this, you teach it and you be it, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, it's not easy work. (laughs) Um, you know, this work is no, no one willingly goes out and says, I want to do this deep, deep body work or this transformative work. And you recently speak to this in a new article that describes some of what you've been experiencing. You know, you wrote a disclaimer at the beginning because it's it's not a seven second attention span. <laughs> and, yeah, on and, Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> and none none of your work is. Um, you know, the world is experiencing something that you can't sum up in seven seconds. It's not any in any Instagram meme. And you know, reading your words and knowing you've been going through this for so many years, it, it's reassuring to know that there's a purpose behind this madness. Um, and in your work, you seem to have such a profound mindset, and, and it's a bit uh, unconventional to some. To me, it makes sense, and I love it. I love, love, love reading your stuff, and, and I want listeners to learn a little bit more about um, maybe the purpose behind the madness, seeing the bigger vision, the high-level, macro-level of what we're experiencing today and, and how it pertains to us as individuals and the collective as a whole. Well, it's like we're going through a major shift, which again, I call the time of transition, or I even haven't coined it, but that's a lot of other uh, prophecies, mystery schools and esoteric teachings have hinted in this day and age, you know, in Gnosis, it is written by Boris Muravi, this is the time of transition. So there's a lot of upheaval, right? And like, I just um, published an article yesterday called climate change and the time of transition. And it is a very, very different view on climate change, which most likely will trigger a lot of climate change fighters out there who Mm. believe in man-made global warming or climate change. But there's something much, much bigger happening here and has happened many times before to ancient civilizations, none of which we can read about in our official, you know, history book, so to speak, right? Because the history we've been told and taught in our official, through our official institutions is not the truth. So time is cyclical. So, you know, we are in another uh, opportunity of, you know, of a bigger shift and the earth is going through our own ascension process. Something bigger is happening and that manifests also in the climate or earth changes and weather changes. And, um, also our own internal level of being and our like actually disalignment with nature and our true selves is then also manifested in this whole upheaval and extreme weather, 
right? So we see it like it's almost like a wake-up call, a big wake-up call, but not necessarily to be more environmentally conscious, which goes without saying, but to really do the inner work, right? And there's an esoteric axiom, <clears throat> excuse me, that states, you know, people usually, and I'm paraphrasing, people usually don't truly start to question the world or start to work on themselves until they suffer, right? And I see now more and more people suffering and, for lack of better words, freaking out or disintegrating, but it has a purpose. It's like the voice of the divine, you know, almost screaming, listen, we need to change our ways. We look inside, right? Do your inner work, align with the higher force, with the frequencies, with the higher frequencies. And that that is a not an easy process, especially the beginning, right? Like you mentioned as well, it entails deep shadow work, confronting a lot of stuff we don't, within ourselves, we don't like to look at, but we would like to externalize and blame others for, right? So it's all about taking full self-responsibility for your life and everything. And even with my own work, the only reason really I got into it and started writing and doing the, what I'm doing is because I suffered, because in my early 20s, I didn't fit into life. I was dealing with despair and depression, right, and suicidal tendencies until I realized one day I need to figure myself out. What is going on with me? Who am I? What is the world about? So that was out of the suffering, right? It was just the cry of the soul. And then I also realized that depression is actually a cry of the soul and not a disease or illness or far from a mental illness as Social, uh, official culture and society likes to make us believe and then give us pills to suppress it and just make us feel better. But actually depression and not feeling good and not being able to fit in is actually ironically from this deep esoteric perspective, a healthy reaction of an intact spiritual immune system. It means there needs to be an adjustment within, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I'll refer back to the quote by Krishnamurti, it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. And that's what people do. People constantly try to adjust to a, a, a pathological society and world that is out of tune with nature and the divine. So it just, it's, it's a closed loop. It just increases more suffering and frustration and illness and sickness on all these levels until we stop and truly go within and do our clearing within. And then we become more in alignment with who we truly are. And as hard as the work is at the beginning, it can be very challenging. And there are different levels, like to cross the first threshold, it's really the hardest as it's written in, in, in esoteric science, right? Because it really requires the death of the uh, ego personality we identified with, that conditioned personality. A lot of people identify with with a lot of desires, wants, and needs they think they have that are not, not even their own. They've taken on conditioned or programmed into them from growing up, from education, public education, which is more like programming, from uh, uh, media, from their parents, from social society, religious programming in general, right? So a lot of people are not themselves. They identify with, with, with the personality of them, think that's their true self, but it's not their true self, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about this deconditioning, unlearning, to really find who we truly are and find this true center. And then after, you know, there comes definitely a time where there's light at the end of the tunnel. And then we can truly actually experience true love, true fulfillment, right? And true joy and happiness that actually doesn't depend on anything external because you have found the source within. Mm. I so relate to your story, um, you know, because like you, I'm, I'm really emotionally sensitive 
And, you know, from a young age, I've, I've always just felt the world is so harsh and, um, you know, and, and it's so important to really tune in to that sensitivity. And, and, you know, like you, I suffered from depression and anxiety a while ago. I, I don't really ever share this, um, you know, publicly, but, you know, I went through all of that and hearing you say that it, depression is a cry from the soul, it's so reassuring to know that, you know, those that are extremely sensitive are like reaching deep within their soul to find something meaningful that they can latch onto. And I think it's so beautiful that we can find other like-minded souls out there through the internet and connect with them to know that we are not alone. And, you know, there are some downsides to, to technology, but the beautiful thing is it leads me to people like you who have been so transformative and helpful in my journey and knowing that, you know, our sensitivity is really a, a blessing. And to others who might be also going through some dark stuff and um, really sensitive and highly attuned to the world, how can we make it uh, positively impact the world instead of letting it, you know, letting us suffer? How, how can we kind of flip the suffering on its head so that we right. can transform not only ourselves, but consequently the world? Well, you know, ironically, or, you know, that's kind of part of the, what I call the matrix control system setup. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, the world is not uh, built for sensitive souls or introvert souls. The world is built for people who have, you know, you can be, to be successful, quote unquote, in matrix terms, let's talk about like the ultimate fame and money, you know, it doesn't uh, pay off to be very sensitive, it doesn't pay off to be an introvert, right? You need outgoing, like networking. This it's all who you know, present yourself, show confidence, show strength, you know, and all of that, you know, no pain, no gain, do, 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 do. It's all also based on this overriding male aspect of consciousness, right? Um, so that can be already very discouraging, right? Because, you know, the, the, the world doesn't support sensitive souls. And then on top of it, you're being shamed that something is wrong for you with you right or like the whole distortion of 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 health quote-unquote care in, in in our western modern world and the pharmaceuticals telling you that you are mentally ill and take this pill and all of that right um but the way we can use it for us is really um to you know like you said before you just mentioned before like you said you just in your own story, you just said you don't mention this to a lot of people. And that's kind of like the trap, too. People are very afraid to show the vulnerability, to show the weakness, you know, because we live in the culture where it's like it's all about, you know, you see, especially in the U.S., which kind of threw me off, by the way, when I came from Germany, the U.S., people greet each other here saying, hey, how are you? Right. How are you? <laughs> and when I came first came from uh, the U.S., uh, from Germany to the U.S., 23 years ago and people are greeting me hey how are you and I'm like whoa this person's interested <laughs> in how I'm doing so I'm just like sharing like like my my issues my problems I'm going through this and thank you for asking and it totally threw off the other person they're like I didn't want to know all this oh my god I love until it I, until I realized the standard answer is I'm good or you reply the question with the same question like how are you how are you like as a form of greeting 
right? So true. It's so, so true. But, but it says a lot, like the smiley. And I'm still, I have to be said, I love California and LA. I mean, Livia out in Topanga and I love the sun, but there's something to be said about the superficiality of people here and have a strong mask, right? Mm-hmm. All the smiley ha- smiley faces and everything. I'm fine. Hey, da, 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 da. You know, and I can sense it sensitive, uh, very sensitive people and I can read people very easily and look through the mask, what's going on behind there, right? Mm-hmm. But really, again, going back to the question, it's really like owning your vulnerability and like showing it because that's actually a true sign of strength. That's courage to show your vulnerability, right? And especially for men, that seems very hard because men, like we are also conditioned, it's a male masculine wound. We are so conditioned of always, you know, strong and men, boys don't cry and all of that. And associate showing any vulnerability or even emotional weakness as weakness, as something is then wrong with us. But it's really about embracing this vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And when I say embracing vulnerability, it doesn't mean to get into like self-pity, right? That's like the shadow side of vulnerability, self-pity or blame or like, oh, I'm not happy, da, da, da. You know, vulnerability is like acknowledging these quote unquote negative feelings, but, you know, which we all have to varying degrees of, of suffering and just honoring them, love, you know, without judging and being able to feel them, which transmutes them already, Right. And sharing them because that also, when we share our vulnerability, right, that actually uh, can inspire others in a beautiful ways. I see it all the time in Peru because I'm, I'm hosting uh, retreats in the Peruvian jungle with my Peruvian friend twice a year, the time of transition retreat. And we do very, very deep work there for nine days in the middle of the jungle with nine people. Mm. And uh, get a group together from all over the world, nine people. And at the beginning, nobody knows each other, right? Everybody's kind of more shy and we do our work. I teach, you know, embodiment practices, young in psychology and some esoteric work and give other talks. And then we always have sharing and healing circles each evening, right? In the beginning, everybody's a bit shy and timid. But it's beautiful as the days progress, you know, people get to know each other and processing, people start to share their vulnerability, even start to share stuff they have never even told their family or spouses or back at home or friends, right? Deep stuff. And that, in a beautiful way, inspires the vulnerability of others, right? So it increases also empathy and compassion. Like, whoa, this is what this person is going through. I can relate to that. And this beautiful group healing happens, right? It's like where Fred and I, who hosts this retreat, just holding the space and the healing takes place on its own. So how that's literally how we can heal each other by sharing our vulnerability and holding space for each other because that really increases our inherent capacity for compassion and empathy, which is very much needed in this day and age without judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so important to have compassion and empathy. And I'm so glad that you're here in California, Bernard, because I, I love meeting other people like you. And, um, you know, as you said earlier, you know, L.A. is a huge like people just wear so many masks, not just in this city, but all over the world. And I love finding people like you, knowing that you're down the street in Topanga Canyon and you were kind enough to invite me over into your place for our first recording uh, session, which um you know, we, we spoke for a while and the interview never got recorded. 
And, and I have no idea why this was during a time when, you know, I'm still transitioning to the West coast. Um, a lot of weird technological glitches happened during this time of my transition from the East coast to the West coast. And, um, you know, finding like-minded people like you have helped and, um, you know, knowing that, you know, there, there's this certain, uh, futility of personal will in this day and age. And I kind of just look back at that time of my life and, and I still look back and I'm still somewhat experiencing this uh, transition as an initiation. It, there's really an importance of letting intentions guide us and, and letting go of, you know, personal will and that striving and that masculine energy that you, that you talk about. So I find so much mm-hmm. beauty in, in that. And that's where I'm at in life. And I try to be here as much as I can and just letting the surrendering of the present happen to us instead of that pushing, because the more we push, it doesn't always work in our favor. So can you speak a little bit about this concept of, uh, you know, letting the energy work through you instead of pushing up against it? Yeah. I mean, that ties into what Adya Shanti said, um, summarizing what enlightened truly is in one sentence enlightenment and he said enlightenment is the complete uh, eradication of any resistance to what is mm. and that sounds oh that that should be easy it's far easier said than done right <laughs> and it also not to this this kind of surrender doesn't mean with giving up or just like you know becoming like a potato couch and not just give not giving a shit so to speak that's 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 the ego form of surrender right the surrender comes from this deep embodiment process of like surrendering to this higher power or higher will you know of, of nature and the divine and then a whole new reality opens up but it's we're constantly resisting and even on unconscious levels we're constantly resistance it's even beyond our consciousness our body is you know i'm a body worker and i can work on have worked on thousands of people and you know we all are dealing with tension our body constantly is always holding on to something right and you know our bodies for example it's a biography every little thing stress uh, breakup trauma wound we had in 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 our uh, past lives since birth is stored somewhere in the body until unless it's until it's uh, released consciously right and if it's not released consciously it creates muscle tension a spasm, pain, can relate injury and even illness, right? Up to cancer. That's all. It's all energetics. So it's all about this. How can we more surrender? Surrender to what is? It's really like, first of all, not believing our thoughts, getting out of the head, right? That's really the main thing. Most of us we're too identified with the thoughts we have. Most of them are not even our own thoughts. That's what we need to understand. They can literally be uh, records playing, so to speak, from past, what, uh, based on conditioning and programming we've taken on, or literally being inter- interject from others. Sometimes if you're around other people, energies intermix, and we take on their feelings or thoughts, and then they are not our own. That's mm-hmm. a reality a lot of empaths are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then it ties into more deeper esoteric occult topics, the occult hostile forces or hyperdimensional interference that in- injects... Uh, thoughts in us to kind of distract us from from what is really going on or or tempt us on the wrong path i mean this it really depends on what level you want to look at it but it's really you know when i'm for example now at the point whenever i'm in my head and have a thought when a decision comes up of like oh should i do this or should i do that 
I know I'm not aligned. The moment I think in should terms, I know I'm not aligned. I'm not, don't make any decision. If there's desperation or fear, I don't make any decision. I know I'm not aligned. So, uh, what do I do in that instance? I calm down. I, it's about patience, right? Until I become a, become more, a clear embodied quote unquote image and can re, um, respond to or listen to my nonverbal voice of telling me what is good for me, right? Because most often the head says one thing, but the mind says uh, the, the, your body, your gut, your intuition says something else. I'm sure you can relate to many listeners, you know, when we have a, for example, very simple, we go some sort of opportunity or gathering, whatever, social event, and our mind says, oh, we should go there. It's opportunity, network, I could meet people, I should, should, should. But your body, your gut, everything inside says no. No, no, no. That doesn't feel right. But most often we override that feeling because of the social pressure conditioning of like needing to do and all the ambition behind it. And that friction is already like out of alignment. And then most often I can see I waste a lot of time and energy or got myself into wrong situation, quote unquote wrong situations because I wasn't living, listening to my my bodily intuition. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, you can look back. I mean, I, I tell this my clients too. Like, you know, it's you can verify it for yourself. If you look back into your life and recapitulate to learn your lessons, many instances in your life, you know, you made decisions, even like with relationships, sometimes hooked up with the quote unquote wrong person, uh, and the red flags were all over, but you didn't listen to them, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> you were feeling and sensing it, but you didn't trust it, right? You, you didn't trust. And that's the main thing. Also, most people, we don't trust ourselves. And that relates also to lack of self-love or, you know, and, and, and because we have, you know, again, it goes back into the social conditioning. Right. But we all have this bodily intuition of this, you know, this inner guidance. And then the more we listen to that, the more we also uh, get into the flow and there's less resistance. Right. When you're frustrated, for example, there's a sign of resistance and it's also uh, a sign that you're not in alignment, right? Mm, yeah. So instead of, instead of trying to make force things to happen, it's about stop, stop. And that's hard for a lot of people to do, to just stop <laughs> and mm. let it be. <laughs> it's, so, it's really difficult and challenging. And, um, and I find that I've been able to access that, that, you know, deep sense of just being in my body and knowing, yes, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a fuck no, like to put it, exactly. like, to put it simply, it's, you know, yeah. just say yes or no. And it simplifies life to such an extreme and life becomes fluid and full of grace and ease. And I, I can talk to that cause I feel into that often, but I don't stay there. And I'm sure, I don't know if you're at a place where you're able to stay there and be in that higher dimensional being, uh, in presence of awareness and beauty. You know, I can get there and access that, but I, I find myself slipping because we're still so dominated by the masculine, the, the logical mind that says, if I don't do this, then I won't get that. And, and, you know, it's so easy to slip back into that. So what are some tips or techniques that we can use to stay in that higher dimensional vibration so that, you know, and because it, it really helps the evolution of our consciousness when we are embodied in that being, it's not only inner work, but it, it helps and guides 
the world's transformation. So it's important for all of us to do this deep work. And, and what are some tools or techniques that we can use to stay in that place? And, and I asked that question knowing that, you know, we're all meant to come in and out of that at our own pace and speed. But, you know, it's, it, I want to hear kind of anything that you can suggest that will help us uh, embody that state of being. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, for the record, I'm certainly not always in that higher dimensional space all the time because that would entail enlightenment, <laughs> right? So yeah, me and I both, my, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have my down days, you know, I'm still in my own process. I'm learning my lessons and whatnot, you know, step by step. And it's it's not a linear road. It's like sometimes a step forward, sometimes a step backwards. It's a spiral. It's like a labyrinth, right? So this process of awakening embodiment is not like progressively getting better. Sometimes you have a great experience and then it pulls you down again. So it's like a roller coaster, right? So that needs to be considered first and foremost, right? Like we talked, I don't know if we talked in this interview just before we uh, started the recording, like a few weeks ago, I was definitely in a downward spiral, you know, during the eclipse and it really took me down with uh, feelings of really sadness, loneliness and, you know, just, just not feeling good in a way I haven't felt good in a long time and but, you know, what I've learned is really not to fight it and sometimes not resist it. So I just knew like, okay, this, I just need to be with it instead of it. I just let it be, right? Not overthink it, not overanalyze it, you know, and uh, just, uh, you know, sometimes do something good for me, for myself, get my, what I've, uh, what we sometimes forget as well in our inner process, you know, with, you uh, plucking out the weeds is to water the flowers as well to really do something what gives you joy something joyful where your inner child the, the joyful child can respond to right for me it's for example water you know i went especially it was been very hot lately i've been going to the beach every day and when i go into the water i regress to the little child it's just i giggle i love it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's just my medicine mm-hmm. right so yeah. it's it's like that innocence of the, the inner child also to connect to that you know sometimes when, when you're down and sometimes when you're really down as it happened to me we cannot do anything like i wasn't even able to do my yoga qigong practice it just took me out right so i just okay I surrender to it. I watch a movie. I'm just, I'm not avoiding it. I'm just, but I'm also not fighting it. So sometimes we just need to let this, feel these emotions too, right? That's, that's very important. Instead of fighting the emotions when they come up, just being, loving what arises. That's also the true meaning of love or self-love. It's not about constantly, um, self-talk of positive affirmations or forcing yourself to think positively which is the complete new age distortion of love and uh, and whatnot but loving all parts of yourself even the so-called quote-unquote negative which you judge yourself for you know so many of us are too hard on ourselves and we have dealing with guilt and shame and all of that right so it's really true acceptance that's also the surrender to what is right true acceptance of how we what we feel and just you know if you feel sadness sometimes okay i'm gonna feel this feel into it and then maybe tears come up as has happened with me and you cry a little bit and that's great and then the release happens and it's beautiful right and then you have kind of like that kind of raises your frequency ironically right (laughs) that's in order to anchor the higher frequency and stay on this higher vibration we need to also embrace the shadow side make the darkness conscious to clear our vessel you know from uh all the stuff we have suppressed denied or avoided 
to clear that by experiencing it and feeling it in order for the higher frequencies to be able to anchor themselves. Mm. Right, That's the whole point of shadow work. You have to empty the cup before it can be filled again. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it all comes down to, you know, salt, the salt water, sweat and, and tears really purifying our bodies. And I think there's so much simplicity to that concept instead of uh, consuming and, and, you know, getting more information and eating and, and quote unquote tuning out. We really just need to purify and detox. And there's such a beauty and an awareness to that process that is important and and I, I find that I'm I'm not able to go to those levels of physical uh, awareness where I was previously like I for instance like I ran a marathon at one point there was so much detoxifying and like pre in my previous life on the east coast I would run a marathon I would do crazy amounts of yoga and I just kind of went through this period of purging and sweating and and now that I'm here, you'd think that I would be like that out in California where, <laughs> you know, everyone is into the healthy lifestyle. But I came here and, and like you said, it's not that I'm a couch potato, but it's like this feeling of like subtle body work that I'm doing on a, in a different way that I that I'm just allowing myself to surrender into. And, you know, and I feel that I'm doing deep work, but just not in a physical way. Is that part of the process or, or can you speak to uh, that? Absolutely. In a matter of fact, Embodiment again. The root word means um, spirit incarnated in the flesh. That's the true definition. So we're talking about the spiritual work of embodiment. You can be in touch with your body and be like an amazing athlete, but not be embodied mm. in that esoteric sense. As a matter of fact, I know I have some clients and a lot of people who are addicted to working out the physical aspect, even the physical aspect of yoga. They're going to gyms. They're running, but they use it as an avoidance to disassociate, dissociate even more, to build more armor, muscle mass, to even makes them even more desynthesized from everything. And then they get hooked on the endorphins or to the physical body image, which is a whole other topic, right? The body image conditioning, especially for women in this day and age, mm. based on official culture, right? So, but, you know, if, if you know, embodiment would just mean to get physically shaped than any professional athlete or Cirque du Soleil, uh, acrobat would be completely embodied in enlightenment. That's not the point. Same reason why with yoga, just becoming more flexible is not the point. Mm. I mean, this whole yoga, that's a whole topic on its own, but the way yoga is being portrayed here in the West is a com very much a distortion, very superficial version of what yoga truly is about. The physical practice of yoga is maybe only 0.5% of what yoga is about, which yoga meaning union with the divine. It's about the work towards self-realization as, as a deep esoteric work. And the ancient yogis who came up with the physical asanas yoga practice simply just came up because they were getting tight sitting in meditation, just wanting to loose, loosen up their body because the body is the mind that calms down the mind. That's all what yoga is. And nowadays we have read it into a physical practice, you know, to get in shape, to get tighter butts, whatnot. I don't know. <laughs> not, I'm not judging it better than not doing better than not doing anything. And there's a lot of value in that. But again, there's it's way more, right? That whole embodiment process than just the physical aspect. And again, we can also. Uh, so sometimes, like getting back to your question, like yes, yeah, sometimes it's more internal, subtle process, and it's not too much about the physical aspect mm. of it all, right? Mm -hmm. or feeling the subtle, subtle energies within. 
Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that because, you know, there, there's still that conditioning that says I'm being lazy and, and what am I doing? I'm, you know, and it's, it's really ironic that, um, you know, I'm here and I wanted to, you know, continue being healthy and it's not that I'm not healthy, but, um, I feel like I went through that process previously in a previous lifetime ago. <laughs> so, yeah. it's, so I'm almost okay to not be attached to that physical body, but to integrate, uh, the knowledge of that deep physical work that I've done previously into the knowledge that I'm obtaining through my subtle body today and now and, and yeah. using that deep work throughout my day and tapping into it when I need to, but being okay with not being attached to that amazing physical six pack abs and all that stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the yoga that you talk about, I totally agree. And because there's such a purity to yoga that is the antithesis of how we see it portrayed on social media. You know, I'm tuning into the energy of my being and, and my core. So my question for you is like, what do you do on a day-to-day basis that helps you move the energy through your body that maybe listeners can look up or research more that might work for them? Mm-hmm. So basically every morning, like I just did before we had this interview, I... Um do Qigong every morning, which is a beautiful uh, self-healing modality or body-mind practice I can recommend to anyone. It's more of a yin practice. That's what I'm missing in this day and age, more yin, more like a, you know, based on the feminine principle, more slowing down. Yes. And there are many different forms of Qigong. And, you know, unfortunately, there are not as many classes, far from as many classes as, as yoga out there with Qigong. Uh, but people can, you know, look it up, take workshops, there are great books out there and DVDs. There's so many different lineages and forms. And I've, I've practiced Qigong now over 10 years, uh, and kind of made my own form out of it. So I do that in the morning. Um, like usually lucky I live outside, so I do it outside under the trees barefoot. So that's already a whole different experience in doing it in nature than inside, but mm-hmm. you know, everybody do it to their best abilities and where they at. So I do that uh, usually 20 minutes of Qigong, and then I then my body's always relaxed, the energy's down in my pelvic floor. I'm just out of my mind, and then I do meditation. I literally just sit and meditate, and the way I meditate is, uh, you know, I focus on my breath. And first, I sense, I really just feel my body. I just want to feel all the sensations, right? And really, what's going on? Is there anything off? And I've gotten really sensitive. I'm being able to f- feel even my energy centers, my chakras, see what's going on there, and then just feel without trying to change anything, without trying to analyze. Just feel, just the awareness, putting the awareness there already changes a lot. Right. And then, as always, thoughts come in and out, but I don't attach to them. They just creep in. Right. And if I get lost, I simply like, okay, bring it back to awareness, to the breath. And, uh, and and I work also then with intentions, whatever's going on in my life. I work with prayer, actually. Not prayer in terms of begging what I want, <laughs> mm-hmm. but prayer of really connecting to a source, to my higher self, to the divine. Right. And I work with intention. I have this intention, not you know, a belief of intention is more like you give more freedom of like letting things happening without a certain way or how you think you want things to happen with this whole idea of money as opposed to manifesting, for example. So I've worked with certain intentions, right? I like to do this or that, you know, and, and you, know, you know, and give over, you know, at my stage of my life, it's all about thy will, not my will. It's all about, for me, aligning with divine will, this higher will, and being this con- vessel, transducer, conscious vessel for divine will, right? And 
doing my work and it's not about me and my what my ego want, think it wants so again that's also that surrender right and letting go of the illusion of control really uh, which is really an illusion so that's my daily practice and that you know it really depends. Like sometimes I'm not, you know, I'm not a machine. I'm a ro- not a robot. Sometimes I've, I'm not feeling that much that, you know, aligned in the morning or that motivated. Then I maybe do only five minutes or 10 minutes of Qigong followed by three minutes, four minutes of meditation. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes I'm into it. I do literally a half an hour of Qigong followed by half an hour meditation, a full hour. But the point I realized, like again, like I mentioned before, consistency is the key. Right. Mm-hmm. That really trains. It's like because it's cumulative every day. You know, of course, when I'm traveling, something else happens. It's not happening. I'm not forcing it either. But what I've noticed over time at the beginning, you need a certain discipline, right, to start going. But now for me, there's no discipline needed anymore. Like I'm looking forward when I get up. I can't wait to do this practice because it feels so good. It gets me so much into alignment. And if I don't do it, it literally feels like I haven't brushed my teeth. Right. Mm. So, I mean, that's my practice. And then I start my day, you know, in the morning, I'm, I do my writings, you know, I, I catch up, like whatever, and everyday responsibility, right? And then I see my clients. And then usually in the evening, I have a, a, a yoga practice, but also just maybe 20 minutes, 50 minutes at the most, half an hour. I do yin yoga, also more the yin form of staying in the stretches for a long time, stretching the fascia, the connective tissue, right? So... And then, you know, I go on hikes. I go to, as much as I can into the ocean, the water. That really, like salt water, cleanses the aura, the energy as well. It's, it's great. Little things like that on the consistency, right? And then I actually go to yoga class once a week. I, found, I have a great teacher. I like her work. She's very creative. And it's more like, uh, you know, it's not power. I'm not into the power yoga stuff. It's more like a yanga, like structural yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I do that once a week if I, you know, go to class. And then I definitely, I go to five rhythms class as well, dance, conscious dance or ecstatic dance once a week just to sweat it out on the dance floor. So that's all I do. I don't go to gyms. I haven't seen a gym or weighted a lift, lifted a weight, I mean, in 25 years. (laughs) None of that. Yeah. Um, So... That's really like, you know, but that's also I found I dealt in my practice after so many years. So that's what I'm saying. People really got to find their own way also through trial and error. See what works, what doesn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know I have good some clients. They, they are not into yoga. They don't like yoga. And that's fine. You find something else. You can even approach jogging or even going to the gym with a more spiritual, mindful mindset if you can really, you know, get beyond just muscle pumping and checking yourself out in the mirror <laughs> mm-hmm. and and just feel more like your whole body what's going on there and 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 you can be actually more efficient less is actually more if you do it con- consciously right really feel everything in that moment within yourself mm-hmm. right so so that's it but that's what i can suggest that's my practice in a nutshell and I love that you practice what you preach and then you educate us through your website and it's uh, veilofreality.com. A warning if it is not for the uh, seven second attention span because each article is like its own book to its own. And it, it's if you want to go deep down that rabbit hole, visit veilofreality.com. And Bernard, where can uh, listeners go? Where else can listeners go to find you or learn more about 
what you're up to in the world. Well, like you mentioned, Veil of Reality, Veil of Reality is my main website. All of my blogs, free eBooks, articles, also interviews and webinars. Uh, I've done lectures um, as well as yeah, all the information about the retreats we're doing. Time of transition retreat is on there as well. So, and then there's also a link to my um, integrative bodywork and holistic coaching website, which is actually my name, bernhardgunther.com, but it's all on veilofreality.com, and then people can read more about my one-on-one work, right? But I do body work, it's very integrative, body energy work, and also holistic coaching in terms of just you know, I call it holistic coaching, uh, you know, more doing deeper spiritual work, psychological work and impersonal via Skype. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot to, as you said, to read up on my website. So people can check it out if they feel drawn to it. There's a, my contact info as well. You know, my Facebook page is there as well. And people can contact me anytime. Thank you so much for joining me, Bernard. Thank you, Jessica. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with the art of humanity.